On Sex Positive Me, we explore all aspects of sex and relationships, ranging from fetishes and BDSM to ethical non-monogamy and LGBTQ issues. Sex Positive Me destigmatizes sexual practices and relationships while reconciling reality with myth and misconceptions. Our goal is to educate, entertain, and be advocates of sexual freedom. And now here's your hosts, Angelique and John Luna. We're back. Nah. Back. We're starting. <laughs> I know. This is what happens when you line up back-to-back podcasts. Ah. No, I was being like, you know, very comedic in regards to our COVID situation here, that we're still coming back and doing podcast episodes as your host, Angelique Luna, with my co-host, John C. Luna, who, who's like thinking my insanity level has really hit a new high. <laughs> Uh, yeah possible <laughs> watch the video on youtube to see his reaction of my insanity well okay we, we we've actually been together all year so covid just kind of shut it down and normally we do a lot of traveling of course none of that's happening this year but you also go work outside of the house which i don't no so we're officially 24 7 forced together to live work breathe and have sex I don't think the sex was forced, but the rest <laughs> of it was pretty there. <laughs> we're no, no, we're huge on consent. No, and we have the studio like five feet from our TV outside. So, yeah, we end up just, just you know, let's get back to a subject. Yes. I, 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 this time I've gotten some, a great subject there. We have Devin Stone, a Leatherman educator, author, and advocate. I am going to let him tell his brief story because i'm reading his bio i'm like damn that's good now he has but, to give but, us the abridged version i do want to say i saw sir horror and i went oh <laughs> <laughs> welcome i love that <laughs> i i know but it gets a reaction when you have a name like sir horror i've heard some great ones out there i met someone named sir oogie and being a uh uh what was it a um Dungeon owner? No, 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 no. Uh, the, the the movie, the Disney thing, Nightmare Before Christmas. The, it made me go like the Nightmare that. Before Christmas. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, like Angelique said, that basically sums me up. Um, I identify as a Leatherman, an advocate, and an educator. I'm an author. I teach BDSM classes. Um, my main focus is on consent and protocol and negotiation. Um, Sir Horror comes from basically being a fear play top. Um, so when I do play, I do fear play, intimidation, mind fucks, all the fun stuffs. Um, all of my kinks are super psychological except cigar play and cigar service um but everything else is all brain stuff so that's me so now you know what we'll be talking about but i think you forgot the one that intrigued me the most the transgender i do identify as a transgender dominant leatherman mm. yeah, well i have found the kink community is the most i will say accepting community i've probably ever been in and um I know you're out of, you're out of what, Texas, mm -hmm. which is, I think Texas is an interesting place all by itself. <laughs> That's an understatement. Little planet. 
Agreed. It is its own little planet, you know, and especially with your little senator over there that I'm just like. Oh, no, no. He's left. He's moved on. Has he moved on? Is he still there, Mr. Cruz? I don't know. No? Ted Cruz, he's still not a senator or a representative over there in Texas? I mean, he's around. Okay. So somewhere, <laughs> somewhere I know. It's like it's... Ted Cruz is stalking somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Ted, Ted Cruz is still on video saying, "Don't touch the anus, and if you do, you have to report your partner." Oh, but I'm enlightened to see the better side of Texas. No, just kidding. I've seen plenty <laughs> of good sides of Texas. There's a lot of fun stuff in Texas. So, like Mr. Stone and AKA Sir Hor. Now that that's a new one on the psychological. What was it? No, the, the mind fucking. Mind fucking. Yes, that's a new one. We haven't heard that one. I, I have heard about mind fucking, but I want to hear. Tell us what it is to you to do fear play. Uh, so fear play is a lot of things. It really depends on the situation. Um, but for me, typically, what I'm doing in fear is either playing on someone's fears and phobias, or playing on trauma triggers. Um, playing on things that specifically make them really uncomfortable and really terrified. Um, but 90% of the time when I do a fear scene, I just turn into the psychological thriller villain and that you see in like horror movies. Um, so that's where Sir Horror comes from. Um, but a lot of it really for me is figuring out exactly what it is for that person. Because some people that I play with really want to overcome a fear and so they want to experience something that they wouldn't normally experience in like everyday life so that they can basically overcome something or some situation. Um, but a lot of the time too, it's just people get off on the adrenaline of being terrified. Um, so I'll often use, I, I teach a class about um, what I do with fear play and basically like I use stuff like that you see in movies. So I use props, I use um, fake blood, I use all sorts of shit to just, I mean, I've at one point had somebody thinking that I like severed their femoral artery and they were bleeding out all over the place. And really it was just water dripping down their leg. <laughs> and oh, I didn't wonderful. even use the real knife on that leg. So it, it's, it's basically just, I mean, it's creative, it's fun, um, and I like to be the bad guy. Sounds like the old Vincent Price, Alfred Hitchcock movies that they really just mind fucked you, like, no tomorrow. Like, those movies to me are much more scarier than the current Saw, Blood, Guts, and Gore, because, you know, that, that way I'm just like, oh my God, they're going to come after me, or they're attacking me with a stuffy that I'm scared of, or, yeah. Uh, you see, if my camera was higher, you could see my my Vincent Price paintings on the wall. <laughs> oh, you just won my uh, heart. Oh. And you can totally you can totally see from here where all of my props live uh, behind my TV. So I've got all sorts of random shit. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a great time. I love that. See, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I identify as uh, Switch, but I mostly Dom, and I'm a huge fan of removing someone's sight blindfold not permanently and uh play because then your ears the noises come in so much more and uh, a dominant friend of mine she's out on west coast used to tie her subs to a pole which was a supportive pole in the middle of her apartment and it had a tile floor 
So she found um, stiletto heels with a uh, um, metal, tip. metal tip and just spend 10 minutes walking around and pausing. Because if you had a heart meter on them, the moment she paused, that's when things really got nervous. And that's when they started thinking, what the hell's coming up next? So that whole statement of in horror movies, it's the unknown that scares you. I mean, it worked for Jaws. In, in BDSM, it works so well. I had a, one of my favorite scenes of all time that I've ever gotten to do was on somebody's birthday, their dominant locked them in a room with me that happened to be a totally pitch black room. So there were no windows and there was like a foam guard on the bottom of the door. So there was like no light in this room at all. And she went into the room because he told her her birthday gift was in there. Oh, and then he slammed the door behind her and stood against it, pressing his body weight so she couldn't open it. And I popped up from behind a desk with, um, you guys seen the Purge movie with the, the mask? Yes. Yes. So I had that on and a morph suit. So you couldn't see any part of my body. I was completely black. Um, and except for this flashing mask. And I just kept like banging my hand on the wall, scraping my nails down the wall, screaming randomly, just getting closer and closer to her. She pissed her pants twice. Oh, poor <laughs> and girl. That is still like my biggest claim to fame is that like, I don't think it's physically possible for you to piss your pants and then 10 minutes later, piss your pants again. <laughs> but like. But you proved it. That's that's my current claim to fame. <laughs> wow. So, of, of course, I'll say for our listeners, everything was consensual. Oh, and, yeah. Negotiate and, and, and fun. Uh, she and oh. one of the cool things about that whole thing was that she had been saying for forever how much she wanted to do a fear scene with me. And she didn't have the guts to ask. So her D-type was just like, I mean, what if I did a thing, though? And she's like, oh, my God, if you set me up a scene with Devin, I'm going to die. I'm so excited. Let's do it. And so she thought she was going to negotiate with me later on that night. But right side of having uh, of having blanket consent in your dynamic (laughs) is that she just got thrown into the room. And that's the reason why you need to know what your consent agreements are. Blanket consent means, oh, Lord, you did not have a chance to negotiate with who you wanted to play with. Someone else negotiated upon your behalf. Yes. So, wow. It's good. It's great. Oh, that is fantastic. The the trust levels are fantastic. So, yep. Loving her it. laying her like laying on the couch in the in in the social area afterwards just like laughing maniacally about how much fun she had was like the highlight of my week <laughs> she was just like that was so scary i thought you were gonna kill me it was so much fun it was so hot <laughs> see this is i i oh I, I, I love hanging with people in the King community because that's the only place you will hear stuff like, I thought I was going to die. Can we do that again? You know, that, <laughs> that and roller coasters, you know? <laughs> yep. Uh, so you made, as you put it, a life change and became a BDSM author and educator. Tell us a little bit about it. Um, so... Last year, I had a conversation with my property about some of my life goals 
and some of the things that I wanted to do. And <clears throat> working in the vanilla world was monotonous and frustrating. Um, as you can see on video, I am a femme presenting trans man. So that's not a lot of fun in the vanilla world. Um, there's a lot of misgendering and misnaming. Um, I get mammed all the time. So it got to a point where I was just like, I am unhappy as hell. Um, and I thought about it for a really long time because my property asked me, when are, when are you the happiest? And I said, when I'm teaching. Um, so anytime I've gotten a chance to present a class or lead a discussion or anything, it's, it's rewarding. It makes me feel seen and accepted and I'm helping people. Um, I'm often told by people that I've, that I've encouraged them or I've helped them or I've inspired them somehow. And that for me is why I'm here. That's what I want to do. And I looked at my property and was just like, why does, like, why does money have to be in the way? of me doing that. And my brilliant property just said, it doesn't master because it makes money. And so 840, my property takes care of all the big bills and I teach and I write books and I get to, you know, pre COVID, I got to go places all over the place and teach classes and meet new people and through COVID with virtual classes, I mean, I've had people attend my classes from like Australia and New Zealand, and it's just been a really cool experience. Um, but that is what I do full time now. Um, I teach and I write. That, that's a great opportunity to be able to do that. Uh, we kind of have the same arrangement, but I'm also the, uh, the, the full time in the world person, but together we get to uh, present. Again, we miss it so much. Oh, God, we miss conferences. Yeah, it would have been like seven conferences in by this time that we have attended, but it would, bleh. I think we only attended one. One. What? We attended one and it started to close down because it like ended mid-March. So by the last day, everyone was already gone. Yep, my last one was South Plains Leatherfest. It was like the weekend that everybody was talking about canceling things and shutting things down and shelter in place orders were starting to get voted on. And it was like, we were halfway through the weekend and we were like, what do we do? We're already here. Do we leave? Do we shut it down? Do we, what's going on? And I, the owners and organizers were really, really like vocal about everything and were helping people as much as they could. And, and we ended up actually getting to do the entire weekend. And at the end of it, um, I think it was like literally two days later um, that Dallas County shut down everything and we had shelter in place orders like two days later or something. It was crazy. It's a different world altogether here. It's like, ugh. so tell us a little bit about cigar service. Uh, what do you want to know? That's, well, that's a <laughs> um, new one for us. Well, especially for our listeners. We'll start with what is it? Okay. Um, so cigar service can be a whole bunch of interesting different things. Um, really depends on the dynamic and what, what you're in it for. Um, it can be really artistic. It can be really sensual. Um, it can be a total power play. Um, it can really be anything that you make it. It's one of the reasons cigars is like my favorite thing is because it's so incredibly versatile. Um, but cigar service at like its bare basics is cutting a cigar, lighting a cigar, handing it to a human. Um, that part I could do. 
it can include things like humidor care or um, cigar selection or cigar pairing or like there's uh, there's any number of things that you can that you can add to your repertoire as a server um, cigar play is extremely versatile it can be everything from a super sexy sensual makeout session all the way up to sadistic breath play or uh, extreme burning and scarification i it, you you can literally go anywhere with it um <clears throat> and like the basics are really hard to get especially with cigar service because everything boils down to personal preference so nine times out of ten when you ask people questions about cigar play or cigar service you'll just get the same party line it depends it depends it's personal preference it depends and i really got tired of that as a beginner when I first started learning because like where do you start if everything is personal preference like sure some people like to be spanked soft and some people like to be spanked hard but like there's a way to spank right like yeah <laughs> there's like, a menu to choose from you at least yeah. have an idea of where to start and there was a lot of, there was a lot, um, I, one of the first resources somebody handed to me, I actually have it here, is John Wheel's book, Smoke, Ash, and Burning Embers, um, which is a really cool book. Um, and he talks in it about a bunch of different types of things that you can do. Um, but he speaks from a cis homosexual male standpoint. Okay. And in his book, um, there are only two people that are featured in the photos and the photos are only of himself and his bottom, um, which are two white males. Um, so what I did, um, was I took somewhat of the idea of creating a foundation for people to learn the basics. Um, so I wrote a book called Damn, That's a Nice Ash. Ooh. Nice and big, pretty pictures. I like that. And it definitely is a nice ash or ass or ash, whatever. <laughs> um, Whose ash is that on the cover? It, it, exactly. Is it <laughs> the evil dead ash? I mean. Yeah. Um, and I won't show you all of the fun stuff inside because it's, it's a rather long book. It's uh, almost 100 pages. But um, really what I did was I boiled down the basics of everything I could think of all the way from what is a cigar, um, cigar terminology to how to cut, how to light, the tools to use, um, different styles of service. And then I broke down the basics of play and different, there's a big debate in the, in the cigar enthusiast community, if you will, that you drop ash on a person or that you roll it onto their skin gently. So I actually took that debate and I debated both sides. So my reader can choose. Like oh. there's this way and some people like that and there's this way and some people like that. What do you wanna do? That's up to you. Um, but I just kind of give you the facts. Um, talk a little bit about burning. Uh, talk a little bit about different types of play, how it can be sensual and here are some examples. It can be sadistic and here are some examples. And my biggest and most proud thing about this book is that it includes photos of racially diverse people, gender diverse people, fat people, short people, skinny people, tall people. Um, I've got everything from, in, from 
a seven foot tall guy that's on his knees all the way to a adorable black girl with dreadlocks kneeling and deep throating a cigar. Like I've got all kinds of stuff in here that I, it, it wouldn't have been possible without my community. All of the pictures were, were given to me by people in the community to help showcase the diversity that cigar play really is. And I am unbelievably proud. This is, this is like a remarkable thing that I, that I was able to create with the help of so many people. That is so fantastic. That is like the true meaning of community. You know, yeah. pitching in, helping share the message, educate people how to do something correctly that it, it is not something to fear or be grossed out. Here's the informed, you know, things to know about. Well, there's so much of it in the community that there's a lot of people that, oh, well, I've only ever seen gay males do this, or I've only seen female bottoms do this. And I was like, I want to showcase that everybody of any body type, of any gender, of any orientation, of any, any race, any creed can do this. And I don't know how to showcase that because I am only me. And if I just put a bunch, bunch of pictures of me and my property in here, it's going to do the same thing that Mr. Wheel's book did, which like, that's a great idea. And he wrote a really awesome book, but I wanted to see diversity and I'm not going to get that with me and my property. So I basically just posted on Facebook was like, I want to do this thing. I have 600 people in this feed. Somebody has got to help me. <laughs> And lo and behold, I had 30 people send in photos. Oh, that's incredible. And, and we do now live in a time where, I mean, diversity is expected. And especially in, in a, um, a niche group like Kink, there's only a limited number of books. I mean, I, as far as Kink authors, I could count them on my fingers and toes. And yeah. again, there's not a whole lot of them. And everyone puts their own twist on stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. even the big ones that I know and I absolutely love, uh, not many of them take that time to say, okay, I've done the, the Dom man and the, the, the sub woman. Okay. Maybe they'll twist it a little bit, or maybe they'll put some gender, uh, uh, you know, differences in there, but the, the spectrum has opened up in the last five years and it's time to see some rep representation in that. Yeah, it is. So. Cool. So break. we're going to take a quick commercial break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Hey, John, I want to get a new toy. Okay, so let's go to Fair Villa. But I don't want to waste time trying to find out what goes with what. Well, there's Fair Villa University, and their staff is very well educated and helpful. Okay, but how about if I just want to go to a party instead? Then go to their website, because on their calendar, they list all their events. But I don't want to spend a lot of money. Have you heard of their loyalty program? Oh yeah, that thing on my keychain that makes everyone blush every time they see it. That's the one. Let's go. Well, they have over five locations in Central Florida. Which one do you want to go to? Fair, Fair Villa. Villa. For, For pleasure, fun, and, and fantasy. fantasy. And we're back and we are talking with Deathlin Stone Sirhar. I love that. So. In the break, we talked a little bit about your relationship dynamic. And although I'd love to chime in, I want you to explain this one. Well, can I ask the question, what the heck is 840? <laughs> what the heck is 840? Um, 840 is a human that functions in my life as property. Um, you can find it on social media as property 840. Um, or uh, on Facebook, it's this weird, strange spelling of the, the word 840. 
that's like spelled out. It's very weird. I don't know how it came up with that. Um, but 840 is, uh, so we call it 840. We also use it pronouns um, to distinguish it as property. So it's not, um, it's not treated as a human. It's not, in my brain, it's not human. Um, it is this, this thing that I mold. Um, we call it my puppet. Um, so there's, there's a lot of stuff there. Um, there's a lot of symbolism in the eight, four and zero. So a lot of people think it's like this super dehumanizing that like, I just gave it a number. It doesn't even have a name. Um, eight forties, uh, designation actually has a lot more meaning than its name. Um, so the eight is symbolic of infinity, um, which is how we see our dynamic. Um, it is a continuous thing that will never stop. Um, the four is the four points to a compass because it is my second brain and it guides me um, and helps me make decisions and it's my filter. Um, 840 also operates as a service dog um, and the zero signifies nothing because it means nothing. It is nothing. Um, all it is is mine. So that's where 840 comes from. Wow. So a ma master property dynamic. That is. We use, we use owner property and God acolyte. Owner property and God. Okay. It's like I said, every time I've been in the community for many, many years, there's always something new to learn because it all keeps changing. I have yet to meet somebody else. So if any of your listeners out there are into that, I need friends that understand me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's why we, we have these interviews and to let people know you're not alone. There's someone else out there, you know, we're trying to get you connected so you don't feel alone. And especially now during COVID here. Mm. So again, I'm very curious about this. Um, Tell us how your, I don't know, average day would go with 840. Like, like I, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm curious. And it, again, I don't find any of it uh, humanizing and we never yuck on anyone else's yum. It, it's the being preferred to be called it is just something uh, completely new to me that I, I just had never thought of before. I know, but I'm more interested in like in the evolution. How I mean, this doesn't just start. It's like, hey, I want to be your property and be called it like from the get-go. I mean, I, I, I'm thinking trust is built, negotiation. I mean, I, yeah, we're just, that's a lot of questions. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Um, a typical day for me in 840 really doesn't look any different than most people's day. Um, it wakes up in the morning, um, generally before me. Um, so when I wake up, it's usually already gone. Um, there's about 99.9% .9 of the time, there's a morning devotional on my phone. So the first thing I see in the morning is typically um, some sort of good morning that basically is we call it our morning devotionals it's usually 840 generally finds them on pinterest they're these like cute little memes that are things about like god is amazing and um god rules the world and i i fear not man because i feareth god um kind of things that like wake i, I get to wake up and look at that and be like ah i'm somebody's god i feel good about it <laughs> this is great um 
And typically through the day, um, 840 doesn't text much. Um, it's a mental health professional, so it's usually back to back to back at work. Um, and then it comes home. We typically sit and eat dinner together. Um, we, we sit on the couch and watch uh, the Titan Games and World of Dance and American Idol, um, random other shit. We used to like, we used to do Spartacus. Um, we just randomly pick TV shows and we just sit around on the couch. I mean, it's, it's a really normal life. Um, it's just that 840 doesn't decide what it eats. Um, 840 eats what I tell it to. And uh, for random stints of time, it doesn't eat human food at all. Um, we, man, um, it can't spend time with people without permission. Um, it doesn't leave work and go anywhere other than home without permission. Um, its life is very permission-based. <laughs> Um, it doesn't do anything that I don't directly tell it to or tell it that it's okay. Um, it doesn't leave my sight without permission. Um, it speaks in a third person, so it doesn't say I think, it says it thinks um, or your property thinks. Um, so, I mean, really, it's just, I mean, our typical actions are basically the same as everybody else, I would assume. Um, it's just the mindset that we're in. And the fact that when we have discourse in our relationship, I come out on top, no matter what. Um, if I'm struggling with something, I can use my property as a punching bag um, to basically yell and scream at if I want to get that sort of like release or if I want to punch something because I'm upset, that's what my property's for. Um, if I want a if we go to a store and I think something is pretty and I want it, that's what my property's for. Um, and it just, I don't see it as um, too different just because like most of the stuff that we do is pretty normal. Um, I can relate to that. Yeah. Um, people think that because we're a, a bisexual couple in an open relationship, uh, they have very, there's many misconceptions or, or, or assumptions made, you know, about the revolving door of people we said we have installed somewhere. And we're like, no, we, we pretty much work our asses off. Yeah. We have group orgies every weekend. It's yeah, like, right. no, yeah, no, it, yeah, it's no, going to happen before COVID. It's definitely not happening <laughs> now during COVID. Okay. It's like, we don't have massive people knocking on our doors to date us or be with us. Instead, it's like, Hey, can you give us a therapy session instead? It's like, okay, okay, but I thought you were cute and could be potential dates, but okay. <laughs> We've had that happen many times. Oh. So explain the, what was it, dynamics that you have, because you were saying. The evolution, you were saying? The evolution, yes, I know, but you said narcissist and trauma and the whole list of things that I'm like, Whoa, 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 back up. Explain one at a time. How the heck does this loving relationship work with all this <laughs> polar opposites, I guess? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, um, I have a buffet of mental health diagnoses. Um, I have complex post-traumatic stress disorder stemming from about 20 years of abuse. Um, pretty violent shit. Um, I'm a recovering heroin addict. I am half deaf. I have multiple traumatic brain injuries. I have um, about 30 to 35% permanent brain damage. Um, 
So my imagination doesn't work. My empathy doesn't work. Um, so I don't, I don't do the, the feely for other people thing. Um, so like, uh, I also have narcissistic personality disorder. Um, been diagnosed, uh, was diagnosed narcissistic, I think 12 years ago ish. Um, it's been quite a while since I've gotten my diagnosis. Um, and probably a whole host of other things that I'm forgetting right now. Cause there's a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, 840's main function in this relationship is to act as my service dog in my second brain. Um, so when my brain isn't functioning perfectly or it's functioning off of cognitive, uh, cognitive distortions, 840 is there to say, this is not a real thing that's happening. You are having one of your issues and this is not what's currently going on. You are in a safe place with people that like you. You're not in danger. Um, 840 also gets me out of crowds when I need to be out of crowds. Um, it blocks me if I fear for my safety. Um, it gets in between me and other people. If somebody is making me uncomfortable and I don't have the ability to say something, 840 gets in front of me and says it for me. Um, and will occasionally, even um, in the service dog mode, will occasionally growl at people to get them to back off of me. Um, so it's, it's extremely useful, um, but it's very, very, very different. Um, we also have a ton of stuff in our relationship where like, I'm bad with money. So 840 is the accountant and tells me like, is we basically use it as like the CEO kind of situation where like, I don't know how much money is in my bank account. I don't know when my electric is due. I just know that when I want something, I text somebody and say, do I have enough money for this thing? <laughs> and sometimes my, sometimes my human ATM says, uh, insufficient funds master and uh, sometimes it says well yeah I mean technically we have the money but you probably shouldn't and I go I'm gonna do it anyway or I go that's a good idea I probably shouldn't do that um, so it really everything in our relationship boils down to the fact that 840 is the voice of reason and I am the voice of authority um, so if it says that's not a good idea I still have the ability to say fuck you I'm gonna do what I want um, and that is up to and including making 840 go broke, ruining its credit, um, running up all sorts of things in its name. Um, all of that stuff is on the table for me. I can do literally whatever I want. Um, I can send 840 back to school and make it get a PhD in underwater basket weaving if I want. I can do whatever I want. I've been looking for that underwater basket weaving degree. Same. Not many places offer it though, but it, 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 Honestly, it sounds like a very good, uh, healthy relationship because like most couples, there's the balance. I know me and you tend to balance each other out. Yeah, can you believe I'm the stable one? He's a Virgo. I'm a Libra. So people will understand that dynamic. So air sign, fire sign, or earth sign. I forgot which one. There's yeah, I'm the I'm the constant like detail oriented plan logic everything. 840 is very very woo and feely and organic, and it's just like we'll just see how it feels. And I'm like, no, I need to know what time we need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> we can relate. Yes. <laughs> so I noticed you you mentioned the word master. Now, mm -hmm. due to the current political climate of everything going on how has that changed in like talking in public or in your classwork 
saying the word? Does people feel uncomfortable or even in the kink community? I, I guess we haven't really approached well, it. There's a lot of discussion in, and I'll go two different companies. One is the kink community, which I can understand. And I'm just, I got to hate even to call it this. I'm going to say the S word. But um, about, again, it having inferences, but um, I'm also in the software industry and in the, in the computer industry where a lot of things are considered master and something else. And it's not referring to anything, but perhaps a hard drive. And they're already talking about in that industry, renaming it and trying to figure out what that is. So in this wor world of, again, ever-changing vocabulary, it, it's, it's kind of weird, but um, how, is, how have you heard the community handling that? Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of back and forth. Um, we hear pretty consistently that there's there's an 840. Um, we hear pretty consistently that there's kind of two camps. Um, the camp of like we shouldn't use those terms. The camp of like we can use those terms if we want. Fuck you. Um, there's there's a lot. Um, I personally, my only issue with this is that we're just now talking about this. Um, we've been using those terms in the BDSM scene for a very, 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 very long time. Um, they've been problematic for a very, 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 very long time. Um, the terms master and slave have been racist for a very long time. <laughs> um, they've been problematic. They've been hurtful. They've been traumatizing. They've been all of these things basically forever. Um, that's not, it's not new. Um, I'm not, the only thing that boggles me is why people are just now realizing that like, oh, that word hurts people. And I'm like, y yeah, yeah, it, it, it does. Um, I have a little bit of a skewed opinion myself, like individually, I'm, I'm part of an interracial relationship. Um, so 840, in case, I don't know how much you got to see it on the camera, but 840 is Asian. Um, it's Chinese and Taiwanese. Uh, so we do use the terms master and slave. Um, 840 uses the term slave more often than not to identify itself. Um, when it checks the box at conferences for like, how do you identify? And there's like submissive pet boy, girl, slave, 840 always checks slave. That's how it feels. Um, I have my own personal history with the term slave. Um, I was a child prostitute for six years of my childhood. Um, I was bought, I was sold. Um, I spent weeks and sometimes months with people that paid money for me to be able to use me however they wanted. Um, so I have a very close relationship with terms. Um, I'm also a word person in general. Um, I know you brought up during the break that I use the term authority transfer. That's, that's a word thing for me. It means something different than power exchange. Um, I call 840 my slave, I call it my property, I call it my thing, I call it stupid worthless bullshit thing, come here. Um, there's a lot of words that I use, but I use words very intentionally. Um, and I have never used a word without thinking about it. Um, so there are people that are hurt by those terms and that's absolutely valid, but there's so many things in the kink community that can be viewed that way that if we start picking and choosing what we're going to use based on how some people feel, um, there's been a lot of like this, this kind of like, oh, it's relating to somewhat to like the LGBTQ community and how we're using, like, we're now thinking about things like pronouns and stuff like that. And it's 
my issue is that those are two very different situations. You have in the case of like pronouns, that hurts everyone that identifies as trans or non-binary. There is not one person that I have ever met that's like, yeah, it's cool. I'm a trans woman, but like my pronouns don't matter. You can call me whatever. <laughs> I've never heard that. Never. But, I, never. but I have heard people of color, particularly black people say, I want to use this word. And I don't care if other people use this word. I've also heard white people and Asian people and Latinx people. And like, there's too much of this like some people like it some people don't it hurts some people some people are cool with it like it, it, it's the same thing as like we could start talking about puppy play and whether or not it should be sexual we can talk about daddy little and how that could be incestuous or that could be pedophilic or like there's so many things that hurt so many people i like i'm triggered by needles if i walk into a dungeon and somebody's doing a needle scene i gotta go does that mean that that person shouldn't be doing their needle scene? Fuck no. You do you. I'm going to do me. And like, my my whole thing has always been people should be able to do whatever the fuck they want. Um, now, the only thing that I'll say is that I don't agree with people using those terms and not paying attention to what they mean and where they come from and how they've been used. I think like, important is how they've been received. Yeah. That's a big part of it. If the person you're calling a slave uh, feels they've earned it. And that's one of the arguments I saw is someone said, you know, I've been going through a collar process for three years. I'm finally here. I'm looking forward to this word. And then it falls out of favor. And now I'm so conflicted. So a lot of it is definitely, you know, the how you feel about being called that. Now, on the other end, and I'm going to blame a horrible movie because it's <laughs> 50 shades that as much as it normalized a lot of our activity, it normalized it and brought in a lot of people from the outside, which were like, great, there's finally more people at the dungeons, where, you know, and it was, as much as it felt validating at times, at the same time, we had those same people coming in going, well, this is the way it is. And we're like, no, no, we've, no. we've been here a lot longer than you. Congratulations, you watched the movies. You realized that wasn't it, but it really isn't even that either. Yep. <sighs> it was just bad Twilight fan fiction. That's all it was. Twilight fan fiction. <laughs> I love every, that. Every movement has its good and its bad, and I think we're wavering. And we're also, I mean, the amount of stuff going on this year is just plain staggering. I don't think anything like this has happened in my entire life. Where we have pandemics and hurricanes and now bombs blowing up. And it, yeah, it is just, and of course, the the, the uh, B, BLM movement, yeah. Black Lives movement. So yeah, and then police. I mean, we had to change up some of our presentations in regards to handcuffs that we can't even mention police because then people get all triggered. I'm like, but they don't like people, so that's why they give you the bad metal cuffs, you know, because they want to make sure you're uncomfortable. But now we can't even say that, you know. It's just being to a certain extent super sensitive to culture canceling. So I'm like, uh, when is it too far? When is it too much? That's fair. Especially I mean, since we're in a community that pushes limits. Yeah. And, and the thing too is that like 
there's a very strong difference between preference and prejudice and there's a strong difference between I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want to do and racism. Um, just like there's a strong difference between I'm going to date whoever I want to date and transphobia. Um, there's like, there's a line. And I think that one of the great things that we're, that we're doing in the community is we're finding it. We haven't found it yet. But we're on the way. We're having all of these conversations because we're trying to find that line between catering to people and making sure people are comfortable, but also having our sexual freedom. And we're trying to find that line. And I think like what we're as much as like obviously COVID's not fun. Um, people dying in the street for absolutely no reason is not fun. But we're finding the balance in some of that mess. And I think that it's actually, once once we figure it out, it's gonna be beautiful, man. It is, we just gotta hold on and ride the roller coaster for a little bit longer. Yep. Just a wee bit. So tell us about the classes you do teach. Um, I think I've got 30 classes on my roster, so that's a lot. Um, that is a whole lot. Wow. But uh, for the most part, I break my classes up into three different segments. I've got um, general BDSM classes where I talk about things like, um, oh, I mean, it's not even general BDSM. It's just general classes. Um, <laughs> so I talk about a bunch of different things that could be applied to almost any part of life. Um, there's, um, we actually just unveiled a new class yesterday um, called CBT Between the Ears, Not the Legs. Um, so we actually apply uh, cognitive behavioral techniques um, to the kink scene um, and how those techniques can be used. So that was a really cool experience, but that's under my general classes because it's not specific to any kink or type of play or type of relationship. It's just general information stuff. Um, I'll be unveiling a new one next week um, called Above All, I Am a Warrior. Um, you'll notice my, my warrior tattoo. Ooh, already, uh, I like that one. So that class is basically about uh, my life, my childhood, um, how my trauma came to be, how it affects me now, and how I integrate it into my relationship. Um, but again, not specific to any type of kink or relationship. So that's my general classes. Um, authority transfer classes, um, I focus a lot on protocol and negotiation. Um, my first book, uh, The Quick Reference Guide to the Areas of Control, is all about negotiating what parts of authority you want a person to have over you or what type of authority you want to have over a person. And it's basically just 30 pages of questions. Like, would you be cool if somebody told you to cut your hair? Would you be cool if somebody told you to quit your job? Would you be cool if somebody told you you had to go have sex with somebody else now? Um, like a bunch of different things like that. Um, just to kind of get people thinking about like, what does it mean to have 100% authority over a person? It means all of these things. And if you don't want all of those things, then you don't want 100% authority transfer. But that doesn't mean that you can't have 24 seven authority transfer. Those things are very separate. Um, and then I've got play classes. Um, admittedly, in transparency, I don't have many. <laughs> Um, I am not much of a player. I don't play very often or with very many people. Um, I am definitely not in this for what gets my dick hard. Um, I am absolutely in this for what turns my crank. <laughs> so I, I spend a lot more time talking about things that I call above the neck. 
um, rather than things that are below the belt. So my play classes are very limited, but I have a knife play class. I have a fear play class. Um, one of my favorite ones is a round table discussion called scary stories with Sir Horror. And it's just me talking about fun shit that I've done in horror scenes. Um, and then the stunts class where I show you how to use, um, things from horror movies to make people terrified. And it's really fun. So I know that's I can like, get more ideas. Oh, great. I'm in trouble now. <laughs> <laughs> and these classes are online or not yet? Uh, most of my classes are virtual. Um, okay. I don't have my, like, I don't put out my own classes. Um, I will occasionally throw one out if somebody really wants me to do it and they haven't seen it before. I also do private classes. Um, so if somebody wants to throw five or 10 bucks in my tip jar and wants me to teach a class, I'll teach a class to them on Zoom, like on a random Thursday night. Um, I've been... I want to say I've taught for the group Wicked Grounds virtually about six times now. Um, I've got a class coming up with them. I'm presenting at The Gathering, which is a conference out of Washington. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so I'm all over the place. Um, but classes and upcoming appearances and stuff, that, that's all on my website. And that website is? It's Devin? Devin, uh, devinstone.info. Very cool. Mm -hmm. And how else could they reach you via social media or other links or? Uh, Devinstone.info has got literally everything. It's got my email, my phone number, um, Facebook, Instagram, FetLife, all that stuff is linked there. Um, mostly I found that it was really hard to just like give people a whole list of like, this is my Instagram and this is my FetLife and this is my email and this is my this and this is my that. Like, just go to my website, click the button. It's much easier. It's all there. It's all there. That's, that's the best part there. Yeah, you can Devin, click a button and you'll see my email. Like, it's much easier. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, thank you for letting me know there's a, uh, there's a scene in Dallas. Because I, I've been to Dallas and I've missed it. Because we were, again, the vanilla trips. But um, at least I know I can sneak away and you can give me the 411 on where things occur. Yeah, Dallas has got, we've got uh, several dungeons. We've got, I mean, we've got um, tons and tons and tons of groups. There's probably three or 400 groups that meet in Dallas. Like, we're huge. Well, next time we know. At least we know Master Cecil will vet us. So we're good. We, 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 will, make, yeah, we will make it over to, uh, to, to, to Dallas on our next cross-country trip. Right on. Very cool. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us. We appreciate your time and your education. Yeah, because again, as always, I'm blown. I learned some more things I didn't know. If I ever stop learning, I just it means I stopped looking. There's always something more to learn. Thank you very much for, uh, for sharing it, sharing your book, and uh, even sharing your trauma and your relationship dynamic with us. We really appreciate it. Oh, just knowledge and is cigar serving and uh, what do you call it? Authority transfer. Yeah, that. Yes. Yeah, I like that better. I think it, authority I, transfer. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to think about it because we wrote a book um, based on our class that you attended, the relationship flavors, and we do put power exchange instead of authority transfer. So, hmm, we'll think about it. So we'll, we'll, we'll explore. Have, yes, we'll let our audience know. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to Sex Pods and Me. If you like our content, please like, subscribe, and review us. 
you can find us on social media platforms at sexpositiveme or on our website at sexpositiveme.com. You can also reach me on all social media platforms as Miss Angelique Luna. And you can find me at John C. Luna. And if you liked content like this and want some more, please subscribe to our monthly newsletter. And thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.